48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Government advisor warns of a likely delay in the arrival of COVID-19 vaccines to Hong Kong. Checkpoints are set up at a Chartin housing block to make sure residents have complied with mandatory testing. Prosecutors have reportedly filed for an urgent hearing at Hong Kong's top court in a bid to return the pro-democracy activist and media tycoon Jimmy Lai to jail and the UK and EU strike a trade deal. A government advisor on the pandemic, Dr David Hoy, says there will be likely be a month's delay for Sinovac's coronavirus vaccine to reach Hong Kong. That follows reports that the release of the jab's latest trial results in Brazil is being pushed back. Violet Wong has more. The mainland manufacturer was originally expected to publish its vaccine's phase 3 efficacy data yesterday, but it has now asked for the release to be put back by up to 15 days so that it can analyse the data from Brazil alongside that collected in Indonesia and Turkey. Brazilian researchers said preliminary data suggests Sinovac jabs are more than 50% effective. Health Secretary Sophia Chen had previously expected Hong Kong to get hold of the vaccine in January and have people injected by February or March. But Professor David Ho said on a radio program that the jabs will probably arrive only in February, adding that the BioNTech Fosin Pharma vaccine may be the first available in the city instead. Meanwhile, University of Hong Kong microbiologist Ho Park Leung played down concerns over Sinovac's delay in announcing the latest clinical data. For mainland vaccines, relevant departments like the National Medical Products Administration have tight supervision over the production and other areas, he told an RTHK program. Dr Ho added that the technology used by Sinovac to make the vaccine is mature. But he urged the government to keep pushing for more information on the vaccine's efficacy on mutated coronavirus strains. Residents at a public housing estate in Shotin have to show proof of a COVID-19 test if they want to enter or leave the building. The order took effect at 6 this morning and resulted in long queues of people waiting to exit. Visiting the estate, the Secretary for Home Affairs, Casper Choi, said no warning was given so people wouldn't flee. Mike Weeks reports. Mingyan House at Jatmin Estate is one of around half a dozen public housing blocks that's been issued with a compulsory testing notice following outbreaks of coronavirus. As well as checking people coming and going, the government says staff will visit each household to check the residents have taken a test between December 17th and the 21st, as previously ordered. Those who haven't will be given verbal warnings and must take a test at a nearby mobile testing unit. And they must stay home until their result is available. Last week, residents of the 37th floor were quarantined after infections were found in four flats. Anyone who'd been present at Mingyan House for more than two hours in the first two weeks of December have been ordered to take a test. Officials have issued a mandatory testing order for another housing block, Fu Yan House, on the Fu Shan estate in Wong Tai Sin, after coronavirus cases were found at four separate flats there. The SAR reported 71 new cases today, 61 were local and 30 had no clear source. Dr Tran Shuk Kwan from the Centre for Health Protection warned people to be careful over Christmas as clusters had already emerged from winter solstice gatherings. 
According to the cases in these few days, because of the celebration, we found quite a number of cases in family clusters because of the gathering in the 20th or 21st. So try to avoid large gathering as much as possible to prevent further cases in the coming days. Hospital Authority says two more COVID-19 patients have died, bringing Hong Kong's death toll from the disease to 135. They were an 86-year-old woman and a man aged 92. Both had chronic illnesses. Government prosecutors have reportedly filed for an urgent hearing at Hong Kong's top court in a bid to return the pro-democracy activist and media tycoon Jimmy Lai to jail. On Wednesday, Mr Lai was released on $10 million bail by the High Court. Among his bail conditions, he must remain at home, not meet foreign officials or use social media. 73-year-old had been behind bars since December the 3rd when he appeared in court over a fraud charge linked to the business use of Next Digital's headquarters in Cheng Guano. On December the 12th, he was again denied bail after being charged under the national security law, including with foreign powers. In the filing, the acting deputy director of the public, prosecution, public prosecutions, Anthony Chow, reportedly said he would be available to attend a hearing at any time over the holiday period. The High Court on Wednesday rejected an appeal request by the Department of Justice. Reports are coming in that the UK and the EU have finally struck a trade deal. Both UK and EU sources have told the Reuters news agency that a deal has been done. Tune to RTHK, time is five minutes past eleven. The hospital authority says it is investigating after a 95-year-old patient who had been in hospital for almost two weeks tested preliminary positive. The man had tested negative on admission to Queen Elizabeth Hospital on December the 9th. He was since been moved to the Buddhist hospital where he was retested after developing a fever. Nine patients from the same ward will be quarantined, although three of them have already been discharged. Dr Lau Kahin is a chief manager at the authority. Although the test upon admission was negative, there is still chance that the patient have been infected before the admission. However, there is also chance that patient got the infection during the staying in the Queen Elizabeth Hospital as well as in the Buddhist Hospital. So that's why we have been doing the source tracing. We will test the patients who are living in the same cubicle of this patient in order to test whether there is any silence asymptomatic patients who are carrying the virus. COVID-19 patient who is accused of fleeing his isolation room in Queen Elizabeth Hospital has made his first appearance in court. 63-year-old Lee Wan Kung faces a charge of exposing others to infection. He told Kowloon City Court that he had left the hospital because he feared injections and medical treatment. He declined to say where he went. The court released him on bail but ordered him to report to police regularly and to remain in Hong Kong until his next appearance on February 5th. Lee was arrested after a 53-hour manhunt. Like millions elsewhere, people in Hong Kong are enjoying Christmas Eve like no other, with social distancing regulations fundamentally changing most holiday traditions. Bars are closed, restaurants brought down the shutters at 6 o'clock and a ban on public gatherings means Midnight Mass will be an online service tonight. RTHK spoke to several people in Admiralty. They said the regulations were putting a dampener on celebrations, but they were determined to maintain the holiday spirit. Parties is not a good idea for this year, but in my family, we did have a celebration. When I walk past the street, you may not see that much Christmas decorations as people are not in the mood of celebrating. We cannot go to karaoke or some other party room, so it would be a little frustrating, but stay at home is fine with me. Two men have been jailed for more than two years after admitting smashing up Chen Kuano MTR station at the height of last year's protests. Violent Wong has more.
The district caught her that Lo Chi Chung and Lam Chun broke into the station in the early hours of October the 8th last year and shattered 14 glass doors on the platform. They admitted charges of burglary, telling the court that they had wanted to fence their anger at government policies. Sentencing the pair to 26 months in jail, Judge Ernest Lin said they had caused more than $2 million of damage, which the MTR Corporation had to pay for. While noting that they did not act for personal gain, he said their actions were far from the ideals of democracy and justice that they claimed to be seeking and had destroyed social harmony. The Secretary for Labour and Welfare, Lord Chi Kwong, says the public shouldn't pay too much attention to the record high number of people living in poverty. Official figures released yesterday showed almost 1.5 million people, about 20% of the population, were below the poverty line. But Mr Law says if you factor in government assistance, fewer than half of them actually live in poverty. He says the figures help the government evaluate the impact of its poverty alleviation measures. It doesn't tell us how many people are actually living below the poverty. It tells us if the government does nothing at all, then how many people will be living in poverty. And it also tells us the impact of the downturn of the economy, its impact on different sectors of the community. The government says it has identified three new sites to build short-term homes for people facing the long wait for public rental housing. Sites in Cheng Wan, Kwai Chung and Kun Tong will be enough for 460 transitional homes. The non-government organisations, the Lok Sin Tong and the Society for Community Organisation, will receive $243 million to convert the site. They comprise a vacant school, a disused industrial building and a vacant piece of land. Shares in the Hong Kong-listed e-commerce giant Alibaba closed down more than 8% after mainland regulators launched an anti-monopoly investigation. There is also fresh pressure on its and group subsidiary. Vicky Wong has more. The State Administration for Market Regulation said this morning that it was investigating suspected monopolistic practices at Alibaba. Regulators also said they would hold supervisory and guidance with Ant Group weeks after it was forced to call off its massive IPO at the last minute. Ant Group said in a statement that it would diligently study and strictly comply with regulatory department's requests. The moves are the latest sign of increasing pressure from Beijing on Alibaba and its founder, China's richest man, Jack Ma. State media have repeatedly called for tighter oversight of the country's powerful internet firms, warning of potential financial instability as a result of their rapid, unregulated growth. An executive director at Kingston Securities, Dickie Wong, warned that the Alibaba investigation could be just the beginning of a larger crackdown. This is very clear, um, some kind of oligopoly situation. So when we talk about uh, antitrust lawsuit, like other internet bank names, Tencent and uh, have, you have just mentioned Pinkbodor and JD.com, they are also under the spotlight. An eight-year doping ban on Chinese swimmer Sun Yang has been overturned. The ban was imposed earlier this year by the Court of Arbitration of Sport, accusing Sun of destroying a sample back in 2018. But Switzerland's top court today overturned the ban, saying one of the arbitrators was biased and had made racist comments about China. This closed the way for the 29-year-old three-time Olympic champion to return to swimming until another panel at the sports court takes up his case. Manchester United will meet their rivals Manchester City in the last four of the English League Cup. United left it late to beat Everton in their quarter-final match at Goodison Park. 
Edinson Cavani broke the deadlock on the 88th minute before Anthony Martial made it a 2-0 finish for United. And boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is happy with his side's current form. We're confident. We are fit. You can see the longer the game lasts, you know, we, uh, we grow, uh, I feel. Uh, big difference from the beginning of the season. We are in a good place at the moment, uh, but then we don't get too carried away because we know every game is a cup final. It's going to be that type of season that is going to be so tight. So we'll uh, keep our feet well on the ground and just work hard, try to improve. Tottenham will face the championship side Brentford on the other semi in the other semi-final. Spurs progressed after beating second-tier Stoke City 3-1, even though they dominated the match. Spurs boss Jose Mourinho wanted more from his players. In the first half we had total control. I don't remember them having a shot, a corner, a dangerous situation. We were totally in control, but not intense enough. To, to, to score more goals and to kill the game. Very difficult match, but I believe that we deserve to win. The new NBA season is off to a rocky start as COVID-19 precautions have forced the first postponement of the season on only the second day. The Houston Rockets' home game against Oklahoma City was called off after three Rockets players had returned coronavirus tests they were either positive or inconclusive. Four other players had also been quarantined due to contact tracing. Houston's James Harden was already ruled out after a protocol violation. And with one injury, the Rockets did not have the eight players required for a game. Our US sports commentator, Ray Jovanovich, says the NBA will need to work extra hard this season on sustaining fan interest. There are 10 or 12 with legitimate championship aspirations, but the Milwaukee Bucks and both L.A. squads must be favored, same as last year. But the NBA is also at a crossroads, struggling to rekindle fan interest following the worst TV rating in finals history, a record low. Loss of interest partly blamed on the association courting controversy regarding China and social justice issues. But at least a blockbuster NBA Christmas Day showcase with five games over 12 hours featuring the Celtics and Nets, Lakers and Mavericks, and the Nuggets and the Clippers. It should be an exciting day tomorrow. And to end the news, the headlines once again. Government advisor warns of a likely delay in the arrival of COVID-19 vaccines to Hong Kong. Checkpoints are set up at a Shartin housing block to make sure residents have complied with a mandatory testing order. Prosecutors have reportedly filed for an urgent hearing at Hong Kong's top court in a bid to return the pro-democracy activist and media tycoon Jimmy Lai to jail and the UK and EU strike a trade deal. That's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. The government says it's looking to build short-term homes at three new sites for people waiting for public rental housing. The proposed sites in Chunwan, Kwai Chung and Kun Tong will be enough for 460 so-called transitional homes. The non-governmental organisations, the Loxin Tong and the Society for Community Organisation, are set to receive $243 million to convert the sites, which comprise of a vacant school, a disused industrial building and a piece of vacant land. Earlier, SoCo's community organiser 
Si Lai San, told Priscilla Ung that such transitional homes are badly needed to improve people's living conditions. You can see that they are getting more people. They are living in a subdeveloped cage home. As typical is getting more people there and living in this kind of poor conditions. And the waiting time for public housing is getting longer. And so these people actually they need the um, and temporary housing to help them. Also, we can see the industrial industrial building actually there are many empty and and actually original. They already have some people that live there. And so we we advocate the government they should have their um, to uh, allow their um, industrial building to modify to um, to be social housing. So finally, actually they have the policy last year. And uh, actually, we try to approach uh, many landlords whether they can uh, um, uh, cooperate to have uh, uh, social housing. And finally, we find landlords they are willing to do that. So we hope to uh, pioneer as a pioneer project to advocate more landlords and people, uh, NGO they will. Uh, getting involved in this kind of uh, social housing to help more people. So how long do you expect this remodeling to take and are you expecting any challenges? There will be actually, uh, for example, um, um, there are technical problems and also um, the, the rent of the industrial uh, uh, building and also um, the people, whether they uh, have uh, enough space, we, we need to design for that. And so actually, lots of things need to prepare and and how to attract more and landlord. They are willing to do that. I think um, also NGO. We now we we think also we bear too many and uh, responsibility. If the government they can have more support, for example, for the rent, and then also to have some more other uh, attraction condition for the landlord, and then we can use this industrial building to to do more social housing for the people. But for your current project, when do you expect it to be completed? I think we uh, expect, I think uh, I hope to uh, finish uh, within two years, uh, something like that. And um, just uh, moving on to a separate subject, uh, official figures released yesterday showed that there is a record high poverty rate of 21.4% in 2019. But then the government said that, in fact, only half of them are struggling because the figure did not take into account government assistance. Uh, what do you make of that? I think I, I mean, recognize the government. They do have some measures to help the people. Um, in the past few years, they try hard. Mm-hmm. But I think in in the in 2019, actually, um, there's a social movement and there the an economic environment is not very good. So actually, so many uh, grassroots they are affected. I think in this kind of situation, uh, I think the government they don't don't have enough uh, contingency pain for this family because. Uh, of the social movement, some of them they cannot go to work or are underemployed, and we did not see the government immediate have some um, immediate help. So actually, you can see because uh, in uh, 2019, actually we can see uh, even they have some problems. But the government they don't have extra resources to put on to help these people. So that's why I think they increase the number. But of course, they say um, coming in the um, after intervention and then the. The number of the people under living under Fabrina is not so go far, um, but but of course we expect um, they will not increase number and they need the they always need the government's intervention. Yeah, the level of uh, wage or the um, living standard of people if they can support themselves is the best. I think. And of course, this year has not been a very exactly very good year in terms of the economy. And you, yeah. are you expecting the poverty rate to increase? I believe there will be because um, um, last year actually um, only around maybe 20 or 30 percent of our kind they affect and they more of them they are unemployed. 
But this year, there are many, over 80% of them, they are unemployed, unemployed. So I think they will affect a lot. And even this year, government, they have many different kind of measures to help. But some of them, actually, they are not directly to go to them. So there's some of the campaign, they just support the employer. So I'm afraid that the figure of the poverty number, they will be actually serious uh, in this year. Christmas Eve celebrations have been understandably more muted this year with Hong Kong, along with much of the rest of the world, still hunkering down amid the pandemic. Bars are closed and a ban on public gatherings means Midnight Mass will be an online affair. Our reporter Francis Sid spoke to people in Admiralty earlier to see what they had planned for their Christmas Eve. Parties is not a good idea for this year, but in my family we did have a celebration. We do not have parties with friends, so there's no need for us to buy gifts. When I walk past the street, you may not see that much Christmas decorations as people are not in the mood of celebrating. We cannot go to karaoke or some other party room, so it would be a little frustrating, but stay at home is fine with me. I will spend my Christmas with my friends and we may get a dinner at my house, but we will make sure we clean our hands and use separate chopsticks. We did spend less money on booking party room or other places, so we can spend more on our gifts. Usually I actually go back to my home country, Sweden, to celebrate Christmas, but this year, of course, we have to do it here in Hong Kong, which is nice as well. You know, you adapt to everything, and there are ways to be happy in every situation, I think. I just would like to say happy holidays and hope next year will be better. Shares in the Hong Kong-listed e-commerce giant Alibaba closed down more than 8% after mainland regulators launched an anti-monopoly investigation. There's also fresh pressure on its ant group subsidiary with regulators planning supervisory and guidance talks with the company weeks after it was forced to call off its IPO. An executive director at Kingston Securities, Dickie Wong, warned that the Alibaba investigation could be just the beginning of a larger crackdown on the dominant position of a handful of tech giants in the mainland's online economy. He spoke to Joanne Wong. Chinese government caused Ant Group IPO, and second of all, Chinese regulators announced a lot of new regulations, mainly focus on the risk on all the financial service company online, and also antitrust lawsuit. So, uh, in terms of antitrust case, I think Alibaba definitely already has been in, uh, under the spotlight for quite some time. So Alibaba is already on my recommended sell list uh, already a month ago. I will expect even further downside pressure after the Christmas holiday. Now, earlier, when Ant Group's IPO was suspended, there was already speculation that it was partly because of uh, its founder, Jack Ma's comments challenging regulators in Beijing. Do you see politics playing a part this time in the decision to launch an investigation into Alibaba? Well, in terms of like politics in mainland China, we all know this is always a key issue. And um, after Jack Ma's speech uh, comment about the Chinese regulators and Chinese official and group IPO failed, and also issues related to like fair competition and also consumer protection as well. So, um, in the, during the timeline in past two, three months, we saw that like um, Jack Ma's 
speech, and then the meeting notice from regulators, and of a pause of the ant group, and also antitrust case against Alibaba and, and all others affiliates and other even other internet-related companies in mainland. So this is a step-by-step move from the regulator. More and more regulations will be rolled out in the near future. Do you see more mainland tech giants to come under pressure as well? The likes of Tencent, JD, um, Pinduoduo. This antitrust lawsuit against Alibaba is definitely one one of the first Chinese version of the antitrust investig- investigation um, into like a Chinese in- internet or we so-called new economy company. For that, um, they're abusing its market dominancy. This is very clear, um, some kind of oligopoly situation. So when we talk about uh, antitrust lawsuit, um, like other internet bank name, um, Tencent, and uh, has, you have just mentioned Pinboldo and JD.com, they are also under the spotlight, but actually their share price may be affected in the near future as well. It's that time of year when millions of families across Europe have been putting up their Christmas trees, and chances are they're grown from a wild seed taken from the forests of Georgia. Georgia's Nordman firs account for 80% of Christmas trees sold in Europe. They're sought after for their pleasant aroma and their needles, which don't drop off too quickly. But the annual cone harvest is a risky business, as BBC's Rehan Dimitri reports from the wild alpine forests of Racha in western Georgia. This is the sound of fir tree cones being dropped from the height of at least 25, 30 meters. I am in the forests of Racha, famous for its Nordman fir or the Caucasian fir trees. This is where the story of Christmas trees sold widely in Europe begins. Twenty-five-year-old Jacko has climbed to the top of an enormous fir tree. He tosses the cones to the ground. These cones will be bought by Danish company Levinson, one of the largest producers of Christmas tree seeds in Europe. Jacko has harnessed himself to the treetop, freeing up both his hands to pick the cones, but he climbs without a safety rope. I always remember that I have a family and I have a girlfriend and I try to follow the safety measures as much as possible. So why use a rope if I can climb faster without it? In a village nearby, Tenko Donadze stands with his walking stick while his son chops firewood. Tenko used to be a seasonal cone picker until his accident last year. Branch betrayed me. I fell. I grasped for another branch. It also broke and I fell about 10 meters. I survived by the grace of God. But seasonal cone pickers make good money by Georgian standards. Back in the forest, Jekko's friend Levan Hasaya says the team gets paid about half a dollar per kilo. Oh, you're out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just collecting home, mm-hmm. but it's also not easy. 
because you're collecting around 600 kgs per day and we will work maybe 10 days uh, and uh, per person maybe 600 euros or 500 euros in the situation in our country which situation we have it's good good income but it's quite risky still yeah, risky <laughs> of course risky yeah it's a risky but life is risky one of the great visual spectacles of the natural world, the Northern Lights, has been turned into a unique piece of music. Scientists working in the Arctic have used the aurora's radio waves to create a symphony that captures the atmospheric activity in one of the fastest warming parts of the planet. The BBC's David Silito reports. It is at this time of year a place of wind and darkness. But Karen Limkul, a biologist working in northern Alaska, has been using a VLF radio receiver to capture the sounds of the northern lights. One of the things I like so much about hearing the radio waves that come with the aurora is that it's an amazing oral picture of what you see. And these sounds have now been turned into a piece of music by the composer Matthew Birdner. I devised a way to map those VLF signals into different synthesizers so that they retain the same behavior. In this way, I can orchestrate the Northern Lights. This is music that's also capturing solar activity in a fast-changing atmosphere. Last couple of years, it's been really crazy. Nishkolai Nishno's family has lived and hunted in this icy landscape for generations. Very unusual. We have warm winter. This project's really fascinating to me because it sets in counterpoint human-caused climate change with systems of order in the solar system. When you see the northern lights, it's that energy at night of the sun reaching around like washing over our planet. There are few witnesses to the changes happening here. This then, a reminder of distant beauty and a rapidly changing landscape. Those stories were part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. To prevent pneumonia and respiratory tract infection, always keep hands clean and wash hands for at least 20 seconds. Put the lid down before flushing. Add water to U-traps regularly. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when sneezing or coughing. Wear a mask and seek medical advice promptly if unwell. Fully cover your nose, mouth and chin with a mask. Visit chp.gov.hk to learn more. Radio 3 Weather. A look at the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow. Mainly cloudy, sunny periods during the day tomorrow with temperatures ranging between 17 and 21 degrees. Winds will be moderate northeasterly, becoming moderate to fresh easterlies later. The outlook, mild during the day during the Christmas holidays and early next week, becoming appreciably cooler next Wednesday with temperatures to fall to around 8 degrees over New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Currently, the Air Quality Health Index here in Hong Kong is low to moderate. The readings are 2 and 4. At the observatory, the air temperature is 20 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity stands at 75%. Radio 3.
Thank you.